It's a gospel on the radio talk show. A show about dreams and visions and a church that is indeed triumphant, alive, and well. For the church triumphant is alive and well. Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I'm Pastor Jack King. I am your host. And excited to be with you on a Sunday morning here on 94.1 on your radio dial. As I say, this is a show about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive and well. We talk about the church and God's glorious kingdom and all the wonderful things that he is about. We have a few rules. We don't talk sports, politics, or doctrine, but we do always speak well of one another. And show number 1,150. <laughs> and, uh, and I like guests who are repeat, people who come back and be on the show several times. And uh, the guest I have in the studio is Mr. Kelly Burke. And uh, two or three times, Brother Kelly, you've been on this show? Yes, sir. And uh, we always have a good time. We do. <laughs> We've known each other for 40 years at least. Maybe yeah, at least probably yeah, yeah. yeah yeah we met we met on the basketball court right. years ago back when we were smart enough to be able to and, and healthy enough <laughs> right <laughs> to be able to play play basketball that was a lot of fun yes sir and uh, of course back in those days you were a policeman with the Tallahassee Police Department yes sir and uh, you've been retired for. Actually, for a long time, hasn't it? For since 2007. So. 2007. 16 wow. years. Yeah, yeah, 16 years. And then you were assistant pastor for a while. Right. And then you went to be involved with the Billy Graham Association. Yes, sir. And now you're kind of in uh, in between. <laughs> That's a good way to describe yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So to tell us what's going on down in your life. Well, we are um, – I am – you know, not full time um, involved with Billy Graham Evangelistic Association's Rapid Response Team, the, yeah. the the chaplaincy ministry there. I still am involved, but just on a more limited basis. Um, just family issues, health issues, different things. You know, the travel was not necessarily something that uh, was easy to do, right? And easy for my family either. But um, um, my biggest passion and interest in time right now is I'm back at my old Tallahassee Police Department, but I am their volunteer chaplain. Okay. And just with the realities of life and the realities of the job that they're in, um, it's I think of the scripture often that says I have no greater joy than to know my children walk in truth. And wow. they're not my children, right. but um, but I do. I care so deeply about them. I do understand them. Sure, I, I know the you, job. You were one of them, <laughs> exactly. And uh, and of course they're they're so good to me. They you know they give that professional courtesy, if you will, to whether that, whether I earned it or not. So it could be debated. But uh, to you know people that right. have gone before that, and uh, but. We had a line of duty death last year. We had one of our, you know, very respected lieutenants um, got sick and died last year. Um, we've had some other critical incidents. We had an officer recently shot. Wow. And was literally at death's door. Um, so there's a, a lot of opportunity just to remind them and remind ourselves that um, they're still Right. Lord on the throne, and, and yeah. we want to share him. So many questions now. I've got, a, I've got my, my mind I want to go with, but let's just ask you this. How did that happen that you end up back in the, at the police department? Did did you pursue them, or did they pursue you? Or Well, well, I've always been, I mean, even when I was there, um, 
you know, we did have somewhat of a rep- reputation of being, you know, that that Christian cop. Right, sure. And um, gave me some opportunities. And then just in relationships, as some of my, my friends, my buddies, my coworkers would go through the life events that are sometimes hard and difficult and the deaths of their loved ones and needing somebody to do a funeral and things sure, like that. I'd, sure. ha- I'd have opportunity. And then, of course, when Sergeant De- Daniel Dale Green was killed um, 21 years ago. Wow. Um, this month. In fact, just yesterday, um, 21 years that he was a very close personal friend. And that really just changed the trajectory of my life and changed, just opened me up so much more to the ministry side of being in the police world. Yeah, yeah. I remember and when that it happened. was near the end of my, my career, as a matter of fact. And, uh, but from that, then I've always, even after I left, after I retired, and of course, when I was here as assistant pastor at a local church, I was always like, guys, if y'all ever need anything or if you ever want a church, come on, or if you right. ever want to talk, come on. And, you know, and, and, um, and have served in some capacity like that. But then a couple of years ago, actually, um, there's a, um, group of police officers, law enforcement officers, local started a Bible study on Tuesday mornings. Okay. And, um, I was invited to be a part of it and been very, very grateful and, and proud to be a part of it. And it's been very, um, been a tremendous blessing for me as well. But, um, but out of that, um, the chief, chief rebel has been a part of it as well. And, um, chief and I were talking one day and I was talking about the sheriff's office here and had some opportunity and, and, you know, know a lot of people over there and about, you know, coming on as a chaplain with them. And he said, well, I, well, why don't you come back and be a chaplain with us? And, and, you know, in a okay. more, in a more recognized fashion. So we, we tried that for a little while, just, you know, quote doing it. And I said, but it readily became apparent if I was going to have any, impact and effectiveness i really needed to be there Mm -hmm. and so i asked him over christmas of last year i guess it was i'm pretty sure maybe two years ago (laughs) time flies but i said is there any way you can just find me a desk and a chair or two chairs (laughs) somewhere where when i come to the department i'm not walking around while people are working and just Uh, hey you want to talk or hey you (laughs) want right right and uh but but that you know, being there on a more consistent and present basis, uh-huh. and you know, a lot of them still know me. Um, yeah. hadn't been that long, but a lot of the new ones don't. But yet, they're like, "Who is this guy? This is in the building all the <laughs> right. time now." And uh, but then when the critical incidents happen and the line of duty death and a couple of shooting events that they've been a part of and all, we do, um, we participate in some debriefs that we do with our officers and things like that. It's just kind of throwing the door open and just. Uh, it continues to grow, and I just, I, I do, I count it all joy to be able to go and in any way help carry that load, or, or as I tell them, I said, I'm not carrying your load. I'm going to give it to the one that can. Sure, sure. I said, but you know, but I want to encourage them to to develop that right. habit of. But as a retired police officer, when you retire, are you still recognized as a as a as an officer? No, no, no. Okay, I mean, you're a retired officer, and. I could have stayed on um, in reserve status and quote kept my credentials. In other words, my capacity to, you know, okay, to to you know be a police officer and have right, those right. that authority yeah. and that capacity to um, use force, do those things. But um, when when that was a very hard decision for me to make when I left the 
police department and went to the church. Um, but the Lord made it clear. Uh-huh. Finally, I mean, we went through a little process where he, <laughs> he finally got me to understand what he was trying to say. But um, I not an audible voice, but but I felt my spirit. He finally yeah. told me, let it go. But Just would, let policing go. When you're at work, I would say, I know you're a volunteer, but mm-hmm. when you're there, what are, what are you wearing? Just your regular civilian clothes? I'm just a civilian, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So there's no, no unless they know you, they wouldn't necessarily be able to recognize you as a, a chaplain with a police department. Right. Now, when we have, <laughs> where I do chaplain, quote, duties at an official ceremony, a retirement or promotion or anything like that, you know, I'll wear a coat and tie or at least a sports coat or something. And I do have a couple of shirts that say um, okay. police chaplain on them. And, um, but most everybody just knows me now. I have, a, they give me opportunity to speak to our new recruits when they come in. Um, there's a couple of other officers up there now. Um, we've had as many as four or five, but now there's, there's three of us, but the other two guys are, or they're active police officers now, but they're also chaplains. And so oh, really? we kind of rotate those duties a little bit as well. But, but especially in, um, we also had an officer this year that, um, lost his three year old daughter in a drowning incident and, you know, went to the hospital. A lot of the, it was on the 4th of July. A lot of, you know, the TPD family came up there, but wow, yeah. that gives a lot of the officers, some of which still didn't know who I was or what I was all about, <laughs> an opportunity to see me. Now, I knew this officer, knew his family. My family and his family have been friends and known each other for years, but, but then, you know, spoke at the funeral and, sure, and things like sure. that. It just kind of like, okay, you're, you're the chaplain and right. it's just thrown some doors open. Now, these others who, the, 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 these are officers now Correct. who are also volunteering as chaplains. Correct. Now, were you instrumental in bringing them into that position? Or no, something? no, that's something that actually Chief Revel started when he was just a young officer at TPD. Okay. Chief Revel started our chaplaincy program back when I was there. As okay, an so officer. That, that predated what you're oh, doing yes, now. Sir. Oh, okay. yes. Sir. Well, yes. that's good to know this right. uh, as far as just a, Mr. Public here. I'm just part right. of, the, of right. the citizens, but it's, it's good to know that this type of thing is happening right. there in our police department because uh, we understand that you people who do these jobs, this, this is tough duty now. Well, I don't, I don't want to chase a rabbit, but I will say that in 2020, um, of course, with COVID and everything, but also the 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 summer that got so bad with the anti-police sure. defunding the police right, right. my phone was ringing from other retirees and other friends just like man i'm i'm sick of what's happening to our law enforcement what can we do to support them and you know my only thing was pray and look for opportunities to serve them uh-huh. and then lo and behold i'm kind of like well wait a minute i've got an opportunity <laughs> right, right and so it just really like yeah. i again I'm not always the Lord's fastest student sometimes. <laughs> he has to work on me to get me to understand it. But I finally saw that, wow, this is some yeah. way I can maybe just help encourage them. As you know, we've said earlier, just maybe to remind them sure. there is a God. He's on his throne. He loves you. And he's still right. He's still in control. But this process of a person becoming a police officer, I mean, from the time that they make this decision, this is huge. It's very huge. I mean, I mean, what, what you have to be thinking, what, what you're looking at, the possibility, because you're literally putting your life on the line. Every day you wake up and you're going to work, you know this, there's, there's things you may face. Right. And how does a person come to that? But I ask that same question about the person who joins the military right. and knows that they're very possibly right. going to be in, in, in a combat situation. How do people do this? You know, I mean, I, I just for myself, 
I joined the military, but I had no clue what I was doing. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I went to the Navy. I said, I'm going to be on a ship, but I, and which I was. But but I found out later, the Navy gets in harm's way, too. And, right. and, you know, and maybe our policemen, these young policemen, do they really know what they're getting themselves into? Yes and no. Okay. I mean, everybody knows. I mean, you can't help but know that there's inherent risk in the job of a police officer. Um, but I don't think anybody understands just – how much until you've been there exactly yeah. and and some of the peripheral risks that are involved in the job and just the things that you see that you can't unsee the things that you hear and see i mean hear and smell that you can't un right. hear or unsmell and <laughs> and then you know just um and then just sometimes just the depravity of man uh-huh. and that people i mean i i know that was a reality check for me when i started i i didn't realize just how sheltered a life i'd had as growing up in a, in a Christian home and in the church and right. all that and going to a Christian high school, et cetera, et cetera. But when I got on the job, I was like, oh, my, people what made really you do act this? like this? What made you do this? What made you decide to become a policeman? Wow, that that is an interesting question. Um, my stepfather was a firefighter for the city okay. of Tallahassee. I actually went to Florida State, um, really didn't know what I was going to do, but thought I was supposed to go to school. So I went to school. Um, my I actually entertained the thought at some time of, of law school, but then I just got where I just, I knew I couldn't do more school. <laughs> that was not, had enough of I, oh boy, I just, <laughs> I just, I said no. And, uh, you know, and then I, I thought my stepdad, like I said, was a firefighter, but he also, they built, you know, they work one day, they're off too. So the day's off. A lot of them, including him, did construction and built homes and things like that. And I said, well, that's, what I'll do, make a living and all, but just something about it. And then he, t- my stepdad actually pulled me aside one time and said, because the police department was hiring. Uh-huh. And he said, listen, I'm just telling you, he said, you're not going to get, you know, silly rich. But he says, the city is a good employer. It's got good insurance. It's got a good retirement. And you're doing something that, that's noble. Uh-huh. You know, you're doing something that's worthwhile. And, and there's something to that call. I think every um, every kid grows up, especially the, the young boys, maybe playing cops and robbers sometimes and being the good guy. <laughs> and I think there is that sense in uh-huh. us sometimes that, you know what, maybe I can make a difference. And we kind of tease because a lot of us. Or I think most of us maybe start out like, well, the world's been waiting on me to be the police officer because uh-huh. now I am going to fix. And then that's one of the yeah, realities you have to deal with. A fantasy there. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but he 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 kind of planted that seed in me. And at first I was like, I don't think so. I mean, why? I mean, I'm not a massively big man or anything. And I knew I knew that I didn't know a lot and didn't want to see a lot and didn't want to experience some things. And and uh, said, you know, people going to fight me and spit on me and maybe <laughs> shoot at me and just I don't know. But I did a ride along with one of my friends. Um, well, one of my yeah, he's a friend, but his younger brother and I were closer, but I rode with him because he's a police officer. And then another man that was extremely big in my life was like a second dad to me was in my church. He was retired as a lieutenant up there. And I just went and visited with him. And it's just like that, that seed started just coming to fruition in my mind, in my heart. And then, so then I'm put in for it, didn't get hired the first time. But by now, it was becoming a burning desire. Really? And then as you, as I got into it, then I realized, oh, no, I was I was called to this. Wow. This, this is a wow. calling. Really? Yeah, absolutely. And how old were you at the time? 
I was 22 when I started. Now, you may have already told us this, but what was your degree at Florida State? Where were you studying? I'm in the business school, real estate, and finance. Okay. Yeah, well, maybe some of the things are still coming. <laughs> they, prob- they probably have in all know. the different things that you've done. I mean, you, right. you've had different careers yes. along the way. Now, were you married when you became a policeman? No, sir. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so when you and your wife decided to get married, she knew what she was doing. I mean, she was marrying a policeman. That's correct. <laughs> we've, we've had that conversation where she's kind of told me that, you know, if she and I would have been dating when I became a police officer, I may not have become a police officer. To which I have said, well, maybe you and I wouldn't have been dating. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But but because uh, I, I did. I, and I, I tell you, I loved it. Um, I didn't love everything about it. But I absolutely loved it, and I do think it's. I, I I will say this. I say it often now, dealing with my after police career life, that I thank God every day that He called me and allowed me to be a police officer. Really? Wow! And now I thank Him every day if He gives me an opportunity to encourage or support or come alongside of a police officer that's going through the realities of that job and the realities of life. Right. It's a great. Calling. But now you were the information officer for a while, weren't you? For a little while, yes, yeah. sir. I, I remember that. We, oh, I used, yeah. I used to see you on television. I, said, oh, I know that guy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, what was your final rank? When captain. You, captain. I retired as a captain. Wow. That's a lot of responsibility. A little bit. Yeah. Now, there are still guys there that were there when you were there. Correct. Okay, cool. Chief Revel. Yes. Okay. So they were maybe younger, kind of right. coming in as you were, you were, you're on your way out. Right. Okay. So. You decided that uh, it's time to leave the police department. As you said, that was a hard decision to make. Correct. But you mentioned you were going to be an associate pastor. How did that come about? I mean, well, and that's you've hit the nail on the head right there. What happened is um, I started attending this church in my last years um, there and became a lot closer to the pastor and went on one little short-term mission trip with them and different things. And the pastor, again, just planted that seed. Uh-huh. You know, you got to be careful of how people plant <laughs> seeds in your in your heart and your mind. But what he said to me was, listen, he said, I'm not telling you to retire, and I'm not telling you when to retire, but he said, but you're going to retire one day. Uh-huh. He said, when you do, I want you to come on staff here at the church. And so I started Thinking about that, and we're not, Lord, where are we going with this? Is that what you want? Well, but parallel to this, I'd have been accepted in my last year, my last year at TPD. I didn't know it was my last year yet to go to the FBI National Academy, which only one percent of law enforcement officers ever get to go. But it is kind of that, that little nice little golden feather in you, uh, and <laughs> you can't sure. whatever. And I was signed up to go and was about to go, and. That's when the Lord, through a process of, I mean, a series of events and all, including my wife's health and other things, my, my, where I was in life and where my kids were, I was like, what am I doing uh, considering going off for three? Cause it was three months, three months away from home. Okay. I said, what am I doing going off for three months for a job? I mean, for, you know, training that then the, the main thing that got me and slowed me down was when I went to sign the actual application, there was at the, in the fine print at the bottom, it said the applicant hereby agrees to a three-year commitment to the agency that sponsored you because you had to be sponsored uh-huh. to go. And it's, back then, they would said it was you know, worth $150,000 of training to, to go to this place for three months, and I couldn't sign it. And so the agency that would sponsor you would have been TPD? Right. So you'd, you'd had to be, you'd have been committed to three more years. Correct. 
And that's when you start saying, whoa, let's so, slow down here. Yeah, because I was measuring that with what but my pastor's giving me an invitation. Uh-huh. And here's this. I said, and they don't, they don't, I don't see where they align. And so then my wife's health health was the biggest thing. And I finally just realized, I said, I have no business doing this. This is not, I don't think this is what the Lord has for me. So I I respectfully turned it down and I met with the chief and told him that I was um had to turn it down. I mean, the day I was supposed to sign to go. Really? <laughs> and and uh, I didn't notice it at the time, but, you know, in hindsight, in that conversation, really when I walked out, I'm kind of like, he started talking about me retirement. I didn't I didn't say I was retiring. I just said I wasn't going to go to this thing. <laughs> right. And that's when it kind of hit me. It says, but I did kind of pull the plug on, quote, my career, if wow. you will, as wow. far as advancement yeah. or any, anything like that. And I said, hmm. And then – then I was like, no, I do. I need to go on out to the church and get in in a little bit more full. T- and my my dream, if you will, was that I was going to go out to the church and that a lot of my law enforcement friends were going to come out there and that maybe I was going to wind up being able to have a you know a Friday night first responder service, you know, just for people that are in the first. Yeah, I mean, because it, it is a culture. It is sure. a different way of seeing, oh, yeah. seeing life and, and different things. And I said, if I could, if, Lord, if you let me do that, <laughs> that would be awesome. And um, that didn't really happen, but still what the Lord did was exactly what I needed. Now, you could have stayed at the police department to what age? Is there any, is there any mandatory retirement age? Not mandatory, but but if, if I mean, I, I left at 25 years, which is full retirement. You could stay to, to 30, okay. which back then would have been you maxed out. In right. other words, if you stay any longer, you're basically, <laughs> you're, you're paying them to work for yeah. you to get to work. So, um, but, but as a captain, mm-hmm. Are you still doing patrol work and that sort of thing? No. So you're basically no. you're 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 in management at this point. Absolutely. Okay. I yes, mean, sir. I mean, I'm, I'm, the I'm, the lieutenant's kind of the last level where you still are actively, um, and e- even then the lieutenant is just an, the overseer. But you're in the field. But you're right, the, right. And captains can go and they do go and chiefs go too. But you really need to let. The people that do it on a daily basis be the hands on, and you're right, there just right, to provide right. oversight. Yeah, you're, you're, when you get up to be a captain's position, you you're you're responsible for a, a lot of people and decisions right. that you make as far as they are concerned. But but you, do you have as close a contact with the, with the officers as you as you would have been, say, as a lieutenant or maybe a sergeant or whatever, as a captain? Yeah. Um, yes and no. Um, you have to work at it. You have to work at it more and you have to build their, their trust because they sometimes want to think, oh, now you're, you're upper echelon. You're, you're not one of us anymore. Yeah. And, right. Uh, I, I understand that. Yeah. But I saw my job as a captain. I literally did. I saw my job as an ambassador in two, two ways. Number one, I was an ambassador and had the opportunity to speak on behalf of the police department to the community and different groups. And um, when Dale Green was killed, I had a lot of FaceTime, again, because of my public information time and because I spoke at his funeral. I got a lot of opportunities to, to represent the TPD and speak on behalf of TPD and speak in honor of Dale and all that. But also, even within the police department, I saw my 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 position as a captain is I'm an ambassador for the good of the department to the troops to kind of get them to understand that there's a reason that, you know, upper management is asking these kind of things and all. But also I wanted to represent the rank and file officer at the command staff table with, you know, everybody else right. in the room too and say, wait a minute, here's 
their perspective and all because you gotta you gotta have that communication yeah. going and also to the to the community absolutely because when these things happen like that it doesn't just affect the tpd it affects everybody right i mean when we when we hear about something like this right. it's 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 a it's a hard thing just to be able to hear about it and knowing you've got a family here that's just going to be suffering now all of those realities absolutely and so and and most of us don't know that much about right what goes on in, in your world is to such all we know is we have an officer who's who's paid the ultimate price here and well it's it's kind of sad but our and I, and I know it's changed somewhat but when i was there there was a little bit of truth to there were some people and that the police were a regular part of their lives <laughs> for various and sundry reasons <laughs> right. as, as you know but there's others that you know, they never called the police for anything. No, they never no. needed to. They had other ways they yeah. dealt with whatever. Yeah. They, and the only time they saw police was when you, they were in the rearview mirror with the lights on. <laughs> yes, yes, and I'm they familiar did, with that, too. <laughs> and they didn't really like us then. No, no. You know, so for me, and, of course, a lot of my career at the police department was involved with our, our SWAT team, our tactical team. And, um, you know, and I was very – and to be a part of that. But sometimes that, you know, and just that what that represents in the, sure. the use of force and all that – but I'm like, but there's a reason. Yeah. There's a reason. And then, yes, I, I'd love to have the opportunities to, again, to, to speak as to who Dale Green was before he sure. was killed and, and, and to tell people that's yeah. what the Tallahassee Police Department is made of, of those kind of yeah. people. And But when we are in, in need, we, we love you a lot then. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Questions where right. I've had to call. For the police to come to right. take care of a situation, and, and uh, we're always happy to know that you're out, you're out there. Right. Otherwise, I just soon as you know, I just kind of like to keep my distance. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> if if yes, at, all, sir. at all possible, but uh, the thing is, is that you go back to that decision that that young officer made, mm-hmm. and and realizing that there's got to be something. In them, they say, hey, I want to serve people. Right. And, and that's really the way, as I see and hear, when people talk about the police department or the fire department or whatever, they say, we're here to serve. Well, as a pastor, we're the same way. Right. And, uh, and even in the military, we're, we're going Absolutely. to serve our fellow man here. And so as you see that tour through, through the ranks, I always kind of say this. I say, I hope this won't come across, but they seem a little jaded, the police officers, because Absolutely. you've seen so much. Yes, sir. So your 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 view of society would mm-hmm. be different. There's a but, great truth there. Yeah, but if you sit down and just talk to a police officer a few minutes ago, if they'll tell you stories, but they often won't. Right. You go, oh, <laughs> didn't right. know that. Right. <laughs> yeah. And this is every day, every day, like a. What is uh, one out of twelve? They, mm. they they showed that on reruns on MeTV. Right. I mean, it's just like one thing after another. Is right. is that reality? Oh yes, sir. Having to deal with confrontation. Right. Uh, people wanting to shoot at you. Well, it used to be described as a uh, 80%, percent of boredom surrounded by about twenty percent of just pure pure terror and fear sometimes right. you know i mean because you can you can ride along all night long and not have much of anything going on or just miscellaneous calls or sometimes nuisance calls or whatever you want to um refer to them as and then all of a sudden the alert tone goes off and it is some kind of emergency there's some kind of you know and then you, you get and there you have and to be on you have to be on yeah, you got to turn it on right. and then you got to turn it off when it's over too i mean as soon as it's over you've got to turn that that you know, response mode into this. Okay, now where does the 
compassion and the and the service and the right and the help come in and, and, and go home and it's like everything's just fine honey right, <laughs> right? and and she said what happened right because if you if you if your wife is like my wife she figured out i mean i can't hide anything from her right she knows by, by my demeanor by my my smile or my tone she knows something's going on here and right. i imagine most police wives are the same way well and, i've always uh Another reason we joke about me getting into law enforcement, though, because I'm a pretty easy read. So I'm like, I'd never make it in a life of crime. I'd never make it playing poker or anything. I mean, you can read me pretty easy. Right. If right. I'm happy, I'm happy. If I'm excited, right. I'm excited. And if I'm not, you can tell that, too. Right. Uh, but, yeah, my my wife was a phenomenal policeman's wife. But was she happy and you tired? I think so. Um, my, my son, I think, was maybe eight at the time when I retired. I have a, a daughter that was... Let's see, she'd have been 16 at the time. She's kind of like, well, you know, she's good anyway because, you know, she was a teenager. Her, yeah. her life was revolved around her at the time. <laughs> but but my son, I remember telling him, I'm like, hey, bud, uh, um, I want to tell you something. I said, would you be okay if dad wasn't a police officer anymore? Because I, I kind of think maybe in some ways, you know, for an eight-year-old boy, dad being a captain at the police department might have been something, sure, you know? I think so. And, uh, and uh, I'll never forget. I can still see him, actually, um, just that vivid picture of him because he kind of – I can see, you know, how they'll turn their head and their eyes kind of – he can tell he's thinking. And he get, looked at me for a minute. And, you know, again, the question was, would you be okay if dad wasn't a police officer anymore? And he looked at me and he says uh, – and it hit him. He goes, does it mean you'd be home more? Oh, and I said, "Yes, sir, it does." He goes, "I'm good." Good. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> you know, sometimes I get uh, talking to my guests, and I, and I have such a good time. I forget to tell the audience who I am and what we're doing here. This is the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. I get to do this every Sunday morning here at eight o'clock here on ninety four point one. Kelly Burke is my guest today. As you probably heard, he was a former policeman. Associate pastor and also involved in the Billy Graham the crusade, or not the crusade, but the uh, organization. But you know what's really interesting, Kelly? I think it's the third time you've been on the show. We've never talked about you being a police officer much, right? That's that's, that's never happened. And right. It's good that we did because you kind of you've given us a perspective. It's kind of like uh, I've had Cas McCarvey on the show, right, several times. And all the time, we'd never talked about his football career. And then one day, he I, was a good one. I, well, but one day I asked him. I said. Just talk a little bit about Coach Bowden because Coach mm-hmm. Bowden is a fastball. And next thing you know, he's off on her, and he's going through his career. And I said, leave him alone. Right. Let, him, let him go. Right. <laughs> and it was right. so good. I mean, he, she shared things about actually his relationship with Christ and coming to Christ through football. Wow. And and I said, hey, this, this is good. And, and this has been good what you shared with us here today. But those of you who listen every Sunday, you know, uh, Pastor King's got this thing about gospel music. <laughs> kind of like it. <laughs> so we'll play a little song for you here. This is the Booth Brothers. So every cry is heard. Let his love be the strength that you singing about my Lord. I love that. Amen. Well, this is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope that you uh, join us every Sunday morning. Uh, 
been having some wonderful guests here lately and uh and then sometimes it's just me whatever it's on my heart and mind i share it with you and this is a privilege of mine to be able to to do the radio show but i'm also a pastor i pastor a church called freedom road freedom road christian ministry we're at 720 capital circle northeast in the crescent park plaza we love visitors. We'd love for you and your family to come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 11.05. You can find us on the web, frcm.us. Also, make sure you tune in every Saturday night for a full hour of the best music on the planet. That's the Southern Gospel style. We crank it up right here on 94.1 for a full hour. And then Monday through Friday, this daily broadcast where I bring the Word of God to you. And I love doing that. And an announcement it's time to let you know once again we'll be having our live nativity it'll be 45 years this year and we do it at the 526 east 8th avenue property that's uh well where we're well we were here as our church for many many years and now we've uh, allowed four oaks to come and use the property but we still do the live nativity and so we want you to come it's uh the 15th 16th and no 14 15 and 16 7 to 9, every evening we have live cast and uh, live animals, and uh, we just tell the story. Uh, as they say, it's the greatest story that's ever been told. And we, Brother Kelly, I'm telling you what, uh, when I see the children. That's <laughs> and, right. And uh, there have been many, many years I've been out here. Because every year there's usually somebody that comes along and helps me. But it's not always the case. I mean, different people. I do a lot of it myself, and I'm out there, and I'm working, and I'm going, why am I doing this? <laughs> and then I got to go on Friday, I got to get that crazy donkey <laughs> in the trailer. And uh, he's he's always, he likes it when he gets here, he, but he doesn't like having to do the loading up thing. Right. So, and I'm saying, why am I doing this? And then the children come. That's right. I say, oh, that's, that's, that's why. Because, and when I get to see a mom or a dad kneel down there at the, at the corral and and there's Mary and there's Joseph. I'm telling you why. That's, that's my heart song right there. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so that's why we do it every year. We want you to come bring the family. Brother Kelly Burke, uh, we've been friends for a long time. <laughs> and uh, appreciate you, Brother Kelly. I appreciate your work and your testimony over, over all these years. And, uh, and, um, well, I said, we used to play basketball together. Oh, we were so, we were competitive. I'm telling you why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we played for, for real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was fun. I'm not was, sure that testimony was so great all the time then. So <laughs> I tell you what, I, I, we, we, we would play, uh, basketball and all of us who played, I thought about four or five different churches we played right. together. And it was so much fun. And then, then I started the, the softball mm-hmm. in the summer. And uh, there were people who would play softball that didn't play basketball. And that's like a whole totally different culture. <laughs> it is. And I said, you know, the basketball people, we understand this competition thing. We, we, <laughs> we play, we play hard against each other, but then we, we love each other when it's all over. It ain't always that way in softball. <laughs> if you play softball, I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, that's enough of that. So, so you went to work as an associate pastor. How long did you do that? Seven years. Seven. Wow. Mm-hmm. Man. And then how did the Billy Graham thing come about? What, what, somebody call you? You met somebody? Well, actually, it was during my time as an assistant pastor that, um, again, my law enforcement connections, I was – somebody had asked me or I got an invitation that uh, another church was hosting, not here in town, but 
um, up in actually up in Philadelphia was hosting a, a critical incident stress management class on law enforcement perspectives. In other words, you know, um, how to talk to people in the law enforcement culture that are going through a critical incident, et cetera. I'm like, well, I know the law enforcement culture pretty right, good. Right. I want to know what they got to say. And so I looked and, you know, just, you know, time and cost and all to go. And it's like it didn't work. And so I, I let it, and actually my pastor had shown it to me. He goes, Hey, you might be interested. And I said, man, I would be. But I said, he said, well, you can go if you want to. But he said, well, church ain't going to pay for it, but you can go. And I, and it just didn't work out. Well, lo and behold, a year or two later, that same invitation comes and I look again. I'm like, wow. But I'm still in the same boat though. How do I afford this? Pull it off and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, finally I had a light bulb moment and I said, well, maybe I'll just, you know, search and see what, you know, where else might this class be offered? Uh-huh. And I, I don't remember. I guess it might have been Google. I don't know. This was in 2009. I knew that. So, but I, I looked. You know, for critical incident stress management, law enforcement perspectives class. And the first thing that popped up was the Billy Graham rapid response team, a chaplain, okay. a disaster chaplaincy program. And they had their annual conference. And I didn't know they had a chaplain's conference. And then you went to that conference and you had, um, you know, main sessions with everybody, but then they'd have breakout sessions and you'd go and you'd take these different critical incident stress management classes. So I picked up the phone because this was like in May of that year and the conference was in June. I said, Hey, I said, y'all have got this class advertised. I said, I'm very interested in coming. Um, is there any openings? And they said, Oh no, we're, we're, we're booked up. And then just by, I think the grace of God, the lady I was talking to this said, unless you want to be an, an audit student. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And she goes, means you can't stay here at the Billy Graham Training Center at the Cove in Asheville, North Carolina, and you can't eat here, which, oh my, there, that's a one, if you've never been to the, <laughs> to the Cove, the Billy Graham Training Center in Asheville, it's a beautiful, peaceful slice of heaven on this earth, and the food is marvelous. But they said, you can sit in on the classes, and you can't stay on, on the campus at night. You gotta, yeah. you gotta leave. And I said, Ma'am, I'm a retired police officer. I can take care of myself for a while. I said, if you'll let me come, if you'll let me come, I'll take care of my yeah. food. And I did. I went and stayed. It's right off the interstate. And I stayed at a hotel right across the interstate from it and took me some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> and, and everything else and, and went up there. And the first night I was there, um, the Lord just grabbed a hold of me because I was at the church and, and the church was, was great and was a wonderful experience, but I was struggling from the standpoint, I think I said earlier about that part of my vision was that I was going to leave police work, right, go to the right, church. Yeah. And a lot of the police was going to follow me. Right. <laughs> well, that wasn't really happening. You know, now they were still calling me and, and allowing me to help minister to them on an individual basis and all. But, you know, the ones that had a church had a church, and the ones that didn't go to church weren't interested in finding one yeah, with, right. with, with me and all. So that wasn't really happening. And and the church was was, was wonderful. My experience there was wonderful, but I was still like, and I was having these conversations with the Lord, like, God, my 25 years of, of being, I learned a lot. Yeah. A lot about people, a lot about the highs and lows of life, a lot about tragedy and grief and trauma and all these kind of things. And then I learned a lot about that police culture. Mm-hmm. And I said, and I feel like that's, that's kind of dying on the vine right now. And actually we had a, one of our 
our, our church actually had a um, somebody come in from from outside in, in our fellowship and did kind of a, a critique of our personnel and our procedures and policies at the time. And when he met with me, he said, he said, you know, he listened to what my responsibilities and roles were. And he said, great, great. Yeah, whatever. He said, listen, I want to say one thing to you. And so I'm listening. He goes, do not. And he did just like I'm doing with you now. He pointed his finger <laughs> and he says, do not sever your relationship with law enforcement. He, really? go, he goes, me and a thousand other pastors would give their right arm to be able to walk into a police department and have instant rapport, instant communication, instant acceptance. Oh, I see where he's coming from. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He says, I'm trying to be a chaplain at my home city. You know, he said, it took me six months of going in there every week before they'd even call me by my first name. Right. You and, know? and you've talked about it a little while ago, even though you've been there coming back, right. you had to do that same thing. To, you got to be there. To yes, find sir. out who you are. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. But but once they know that you're a former officer, yeah. and then they talk to ones that did know you, et cetera, whatever, not saying everybody likes you, but just still, <laughs> you know, then it's kind of like, okay, he's one of us. He's here. You know, the main thing is, is not that he's one of us, but if they can believe and you can legitimately offer that I'm I'm here for you. Yeah. Yeah. There there's some buy in. Well, but there. you you would have the connection just because you've you've experienced it. Mm-hmm. I mean you know you know you've walked where they're walking. Right. And that's to me that's a very important in any connection like like that. Right. So So okay. I started the, the chaplaincy and, and so I went that two thousand and nine and back then it was primarily a disaster chaplaincy, hurricanes, floodings, tornadoes, different things like that. Well, then the Haiti earthquake happened. And because of my police experience, they kind of, cause you just couldn't throw anybody and send them over to Haiti and just expect them to be okay in that environment. Cause that was, that was rough. Oh yeah. And, but, but I, I did, I got, like, I got called. I was really brand new. I'd been on one deployment outside of this, but they said, Hey, do you think? You'd be interested in doing this, and you had to go for three weeks. And I said, "Yeah." And uh, so I went and just just had some God moments down there. Some ones that I'll never forget as long as I live, and some people I know I'll meet in eternity from that trip. And came back, and then I was I was kind of in yeah with that group, but I'm still at the church, so we kind of balanced both for a little while. And then in 2014. They kind of offered a, a position full time because they were starting a law enforcement ministry, ah. and so that's kind. But now, when you were at the meeting in uh, North Carolina, right. okay, your first time, yes, sir, you must have made an impression on some people for them to call you. Well, yes and no. I mean, the, our chaplain coordinators, which are like the field supervisors for the rapid response team they actually took the classes too so i was in a class with like two other um couples that were in there and they did and i I would ask them questions and all and then of course the classes were um um, student participatory at times you know so they kind of hear my heart and hear my and then um i mean i really that first night it so grabbed me i was sitting up there crying because i i knew yeah. I knew that God had brought me to the place I needed to be. He kind of, he's he's got a good dad, isn't he? Yeah, he, man. <laughs> he is so good. He's better than oh. – yeah. but I knew that my life was fixing to change. I just didn't know how. Yeah. And so – and then they gave me an opportunity. I mean, that was in June and August of that year, 2009. I went on my first deployment. There was a flooding up in Dallas, Georgia. 
destroyed about a thousand or damaged about a thousand homes. A handful of people actually lost their life. And I went up there and again, I've got some couple of stories and a couple of moments I'll never forget. And again, I knew I said, this is now I'm being a first responder. But in ministry. Right. Now, you've, you've told us this before on the show, what you did, but I want you to tell the audience, when you, when you go on scene, what mm-hmm. did you do? I mean, it, with the Billy Graham? Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, in the disaster response, we go and we work alongside, um, Samaritan's Purse. A lot of people know about Samaritan's sure, Purse sure. and Franklin Graham. And of course, Samaritan's Purse and Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Franklin Graham's the president of both. So they're sister agencies and they work together. So that I the, didn't know. <laughs> they, they work together all the time. And, uh, but we would kind of serve in that capacity of being set aside, if you will, to do, to focus on the, the, Chaplaincy side, yeah. in spe- right, know, right, you know, right. We would dress different. We wouldn't wear the blue jeans and and the and the work clothes and all to do the chainsaw work or to get on the roof or to muck out the house of all the mud and all that kind of stuff. Although those people were phenomenal chaplains sure, sure. and did did tremendous ministry as well, but we were put there to take the time to sit with homeowners, right. And pray with them. Yeah, you were ministering to the, to the people, absolutely, yeah. and to the camp yeah. of workers at night okay. too. Yeah, and so that's so. so like you, you've told uh, that before on the show, but I want to make uh-huh. sure that our audience understood that right. What, what you were doing, you were there to minister to the people. Correct. You know? Now, I have a question concerning. Uh, let me go back to what you just said. Make sure I heard it right. Franklin Graham mm-hmm. is president of both. Samaritan's Purse and the Billy Graham Association. Correct. Is, is, that, is that happened since his daddy died? He was already. And they'd that, already uh, done that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because that was my question is how has that affected the Billy Graham Association? Cause, because obviously there's, there's, there has to be thousands of dollars that are being donated yes. to that organization. Is that yes, still sir. happening? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. And, and, uh, and I will tell you, even tying this, this, this puzzle together again that yeah. is my life sometimes together that in in the summer of 2020 when there was the anti-police stuff people found out what billy graham was doing as far as having a ministry specifically focused on trying to minister to the law enforcement community donors opened up really absolutely because yeah, i was you know the the younger generation I mean, what we're seeing in my lifetime, I'm seeing the people that I knew who was spiritual leaders, both in, in my or my organization that I'm with, right. they're, they're passing on. And then you're seeing a younger generation. Right. And, and unfortunately, I'm I'm not seeing the giving right. like, like there used to be. In right. other words, that that willingness to sacrifice. And, I, and I've heard this been said by different uh, of the younger. They say, oh, we just can't afford that. Mm. And I'm going... You can't afford not to if you understand the scripture. Right. And but I'm just wondering how that has overall affected the work that you all are doing because I mean from what you've described to me in the past, I mean when Bill Graham organization goes, we're talking about bulldozers here. <laughs> no, not quite bulldozers, <laughs> okay. but, but but skid steers, what they call yeah. skid steers. Okay. And they do have some heavy equipment. That I, I mean th- yes. that's amazing. That's just amazing that there's that that type of training. I mean, you you're prepared when you, right. when they go and right. and, uh, and you go in to these areas. Well, back during the COVID thing, uh, mm-hmm. Franklin Graham set up a hospital. Yes, he did. There in New York City, was it Central Park? Yes, sir. Uh, now, where did all that money come from? Just people exactly. donating exactly. And then you talk about setting up a medical staff. Mm-hmm. Were those volunteers? Yeah. 
Many, many were. There, there are some paid position all because you've got to have some consistency sure. and some, you know, some certainty and people that are part of the organization that can can guide it. But then you've got to have some extra resources, some help as well. So. When I heard that, I was, I was just wow. That's right. that's that's the church. Amen. That's the church. I mean, look at this. They put a hospital. I mean, and you have to go to them. Yeah. And, and, you know, and they, it, can, they can't come to you sometimes. You have to go to them. Yeah, but it, I mean, we're talking about a, it was a portable yes. type of thing. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's, just, it's just astounding. Right. Well, I'm glad to hear what you're telling us. It, it's still going. Yes, sir. Because I'm sure they could always be make use of donations if somebody wanted to oh, do absolutely. <laughs> wanted yes, to sir. do so. So now, now you're not you're rapid response is what the word you used a little while ago. Correct. Now how did that connect with the law enforcement part well, of what you're doing? In twenty fourteen, um the boss at the rapid response team at the time, um it was was you know, my my boss when I did chaffacy work for them but he started talking to some of us and me too because of my background just kind of said what would it look like for us to do a ministry focused on law enforcement and it came out of the disasters because in a disaster you go into a community that's been hit by disaster and that police officer and that firefighter and those nurses and different people like that they're not at home taking care of their families yeah, sure. and, or, or taking care of their house. They're not cleaning up their yard. They're not, you know, they're still out there working 12, 16 hour shifts and things like that. How, you know, and it just kind of got his heart and, and talking to us and different things. How, how can we minister to them? And so we started a law enforcement ministry in 2014. We had our first uh, retreat that year where officers and their spouses were allowed to come to the Billy Graham training center on um, the Cove in Asheville. And we had, Again, law enforcement speakers, and um, I was blessed beyond words to be one of the speakers that year, and it's just, it has literally blown up since then, and then 2020 just really took it to a whole nother level because people are like, what can we do to support law enforcement? And a lot of the faith community said, oh, we can support the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team because they have this ministry that's reaching out and now we we have uh, they do what's called um, um leap alaska where they take officers that have been in a traumatic event of some kind um injury shot you know injured on the job or something like that or other critical incidents and all but and they also are married and it the rea- those realities have caused more of a strain and stress on their oh, marriages and all that absolutely and so they take them to alaska for a week and just love on them, teach them, counsel them, let them play and experience the wildlife a little bit. <laughs> they, um, they do the same thing for Operation Hill, our Patriots, for the military as well. So wow. it's just a tremendous ministry. Yeah. We we teach. They teach a law enforcement chaplaincy training program now. We still respond to critical incidents. And with them, I I went to Ferguson three times during those riots and the things that were going on there. I went to the riots in Charlotte, been to the riots in Baltimore. I went to the Pulse nightclub shooting. I went wow. to, to, uh, um, Arizona when the 19 wildfire, wildfire, wow, firefighters you, were busy. Well, that's just all over the years <laughs> yeah. now, not but just. Now, okay. So, so this, like the Pulse nightclub thing. So you go mm-hmm. and your, your, your heart is to go minister to the, Law enforcement. How do you do that? How, how are you? How are you able to come alongside of them? Well, the, the the pulse was actually before the law enforcement started. So we went down there just to minister to people that were 
facing tremendous just, grief, just grief and loss. General public yes. at that time. Yes, okay. sir. Yes, okay. sir. And, um, and and huge ministry took place took place there. But when we with the law enforcement now, when we go, um, we will try to you know because a lot of us are former officers, right. get inside the law enforcement agency and say. Can we have some time when you're down and not out there on the streets okay, and all okay. that stuff? And, and in Ferguson, that's what we did. We'd go and we'd go to the police department and minister to those guys or talk to them. But then we'd go out on the streets and try, and we tried to be like Jesus, that man in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, we found that, that if we would let God put us in that place in the, in between, that it took a little bit. Of that tension and the animosity and that, oh, yeah, yeah, away yeah. and and just again saw God. So, but the officers would come to you. I mean, if you're if you got like you said at the TPD here, you said, "Can you give me a, a desk and a chair?" Right, right. I mean, were you able to accomplish that? And then would they come to you? To some degree, yes. I mean, it takes a little bit of buy-in sometimes sure, at first, but, sure. but 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 police are very discerning. They're always watching. They're and, always and, watching people, and they're and, always trying to judge motive. And, and so and, and when they little, see you, a little hard too. Yeah, I mean, they can a, be. Yeah, yeah. But but when they see you and they believe that you're legitimately there for them, and that you really do maybe have some idea of what they're going through, uh-huh. and you also are there saying and and presenting. Some hope. We call it sharing hope in crisis. Okay. That's our program, if you will, sharing hope in crisis that, that some go, I need some right now or, you know, or just pray with me right now. And then it just leads to, to conversations. And, and yeah. yeah, I mean, sometimes it's a little bit easier. I went to um, Florence, South Carolina a few years ago when, well, the day before or the week before Hurricane Michael hit here, I was up there because, um, they had seven officers shot in a search warrant two of them died oh no which you know so you can just imagine the profound yeah. grief and and misery and just suffering that's taking place there so when we got there they were ready to listen and spend some and 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 a lot of chaplaincy to me um i had a one of my buddies out there that kind of helped me describe it best and and this was on the streets of ferguson when so much of it was was racially motivated as right. well and and this is an african african-american chaplain uh dear brother dear man and uh but he was telling me one time you know he says kelly you don't try to be or pretend that you are african-american huh. he said but just give that african-american a safe place to get rid of some of his anger and some of his distrust and some of his whatever it might be because you can't put anything in them until they've gotten some of it out and i found that to be so wow if somebody's overcome with grief (laughs) with grief oh absolutely it is not mine i mean i got it from him but 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 i've learned that if somebody is really overcome with grief you got to give them a safe place to let it out and and to cry and just cry with them right if you can for a bit and then when they take a breath or when they or when they look up at you and then that holy spirit gives an unction says now yeah now speak the truth in love and they're receptive. And the thing about it is that most of us, general public, we have no idea what's mm-hmm. what's happening here. That the right. there's a you know, we we've all heard of Billy Graham. Right. We know who he is. Most people are not aware that there's an organization right. that that is a direct link to his ministry. And the wonderful thing about it is that even today, a very direct link. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is that 
How long has he been gone? Is it three or four years? It was 2018, I believe. The five. name is still highly respected in this country. Yes, sir. You, you say that name. And it opens a lot of doors. Well, it's still on our shirts, and it's still on the the placards yeah. that we put on the side of our cars or on the equipment that's there. And, you know, we've just had them here. They've been here in Taylor County and in Valdosta wow. with this yeah, what hurricane. A, what an amazing life. What amazing testimony. And I'm looking at my clock, Brother Kelly. Uh, I can't believe we've almost done an hour. Oh, wow. <laughs> we've been here together. And, of course, we always close a, br- a broadcast out with prayer, but... I appreciate you coming and, and just sharing your heart with us here on the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for Brother Kelly. And, and uh, I pray for him. I pray for his wife and family. And, and Father, for all of our law enforcement officers and uh, firefighters, people who serve for our military. Yes. And, Father, we also pray for our pastors. They're, yes. they're, they're on the front lines, too. And, Father, I pray mm-hmm. for our churches. Lord, we do pray for America. We pray yes. for peace. And Lord God, we pray for peace in this world. Yes. And Lord, we pray for peace in the Middle East and in Jerusalem. We, we pray for peace in the, in the streets of Jerusalem yes. and the nation of Israel. Father, we're just coming to you. And we just pray, Lord, that you would just be holy God as you are. And Father, we just give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brother, Brother Kelly Burke. And uh, we're going to have to come back here. Maybe not so long next time. All right. Be glad <laughs> to. Appreciate you coming to spend yes, time with us. And as I always say, may the Lord bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.